Hello, world, and welcome to this episode of the Ronjiro Japan podcast. Have you ever wanted to come to Japan? Have you ever wanted to study in Japan? Have you ever wanted to learn Japanese? Have you ever wanted to maybe do business in Japan or maybe even、uh, work with startups in Japan? If the answer to any of those questions is yes, you're going to enjoy this episode. Our guest today has done all four of those things. Loretta Scott, also known as Kemushi chan, is an entrepreneur, a very successful entrepreneur, and also one of Japan's, one of Japan's very famous YouTubers. She joins us today to talk about, well, all four of these issues strategies for learning Japanese,、uh, strategies and thoughts about living in Japan, working in Japan, and being involved with startups in Japan. You're gonna love it. Our guest is Loretta Scott. I'm your host, JT, and this is Ronjiru. Let's discuss Japan. Loretta Scott, thank you for joining us on the Ron Jeter Japan podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, JT. Hi. <laughs> Hi. It's been really nice to uh, uh, co- uh, contact you and try and get you on the show. And, and you're very busy. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh oh. <laughs>、um, yes, exactly. But I do want to、um, read out something because this is too much for me to have actually memorized. So I'm going to read this out. You are an amazingly talented entrepreneur. You're also one of Japan's、um, very, very famous YouTube creators. You're a professional interpreter, translator, <laughs> graphic designer, language instructor, self employed business owner, plus you do marketing and digital branding. Loretta, you can code. Is there anything you're not particularly gifted at? Because I'm feeling intimidated already, and we just started. <laughs> Uh, clearly, making a decision is my weak point.、So. <laughs> <laughs> Very nicely done. I see. <laughs> I start out, yes. I generally start out with the same question for each of my guests, so I'll ask you the same question. Yeah. How did you first get interested in Japan, and when was that? What was it about Japan that got you interested? Off to you. Okay, so time to, time to reveal my age. No,、okay. I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs>、um, no, no. So、um, basically, I was from originally Virginia on the east coast of the States,、mm-hmm. and I was very close to Washington, D.C. So I was in a high school actually that had a kind of funky language program where they were really interested in getting kids into like critical languages. So at my school, obviously, they had like Spanish and French, but they really were pushing for the kids to try either、um, Chinese, Japanese, or Korean. Easy. And I had just about the same time. Figured out that the rarest Pokemon cards were the ones that were still only written in Japanese. That's what the guy at the import store said. So I was like, okay, well, clearly, if I'm going to win at this, this game, I'm going to have to,、uh, gonna have to learn some of this language so I can get more cards. I see. So that was like the, that was like the initial.、Um, you know, the, so you're the, a Pokemon girl. I was. <laughs> <laughs>、um, yeah, so, so that was like the foot in the door. But then after that, I made friends. When I was doing the actual program at my high school, like an actual Japanese friend came to do study abroad, and she was in the marching band with me. 
So, um, you know, we nerded out and played instruments, and uh, I realized this was, here comes the age part. Mm -hmm. This was over, oh gosh, like over 20 years ago. And the only way to keep in touch with people oh, back oh, then... I have a calculator. Yeah. I have a calculator. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. No, yep. The... Uh, <laughs> The only way to keep in contact with people back then was a Mixi account, which you had to be right. in Japan to have, sure, didn't sure. have one of those yet, right. or uh, to write letters. So mm -hmm. I figured I had to learn how to write and read as well. So that's really what got me like gung-ho about learning Japanese. Pokemon. And ever since, it's been a, yeah, it's been like a slippery slope of just, I can't stop learning more. It's just so much fun and really rewarding. Right. Well, what was it that brought you to Japan? first, after having got all the Pokemon in the whole school? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have to say being really chatty and that friend. Because as soon as I met her, I was like, oh, I've got to see this country. I am obsessed. And I was talking to literally anybody and everybody about one day I'm going to go to Japan and I'm going to meet my friend. And we're going to have the coolest time. And one of my friends at my church actually was like, well, I, I actually, my, my aunt or something like that lives in Japan. So do you want to do a homestay with her? And I was, Ooh. yeah, I was 16 and I was like, yes, done. <laughs> yes, done. <laughs> Sorted. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, well, then there was a lot of like, uh, saving and working and, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> bootstrapping you... my way into a plane ticket, but yeah. Well, well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Welcome to Japan. Um, <laughs> You, I, if I'm not mistaken, are here on a mixed scholarship, or were here on a I originally. was, yeah. Could you talk about that? What is a mixed scholarship? I think a lot of my audience might find that interesting. Yeah, so this is the golden goose. Like, this is like the golden grail that somehow did not get any clout outside of the kind of Asian side of things. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's a scholarship from the Japanese government where they're trying to... Um, basically infuse Japan's education and work environment with foreign talent. Right. So what they do is they, you know, they vet different types of students at different levels, anywhere from um, university to, you know, post-grad, etc. And they have them go to these, like, true blue national universities and pay for the whole thing. Wow. Uh, give you a stipend and expect you to become some sort of what they, you know, kakehashi, they expect you to be the kind of go-between, like a micro-ambassador between your, your country and, their, and Japan. So it's an amazing scholarship. And when I first applied, this was from New York, I, there was like two other people who were applying and it was, there, you know, it was one of those fax mail-in situations. And I think it was because it hadn't really been done yet, most people thought, well, this too good to be true, or that can't be right, or it's just too hard to get at. But um, it's a hard process. It takes about a year or so to go through the whole thing. But once you actually like bite the bullet and get through everything, you kind of land in Japan with like the easiest, like it's like the Willy Wonka <laughs> ticket. Um, because what happens after that is it, it sets you up for so many great things. So like, you know, obviously having things paid for is a huge bonus. But um, in terms of job situations or in terms of visa situations, a lot of the schools that they place you in are, they tick off five points in the like right. highly skilled professional right. visa, the, the coveted work visa. And um, uh, for in the work situation, if you're at a job interview, you know, a Japanese employer looks at this and says, I know this university, you know, this, 
I know this universe. You're one of us. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's like a Willy Wonka ticket. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Would you say it's um, Willy Wonka more so than, for example, something like the Jet Program? Which yeah, is also so that's kind of thing. Willy Wonka. Yeah. So the Jet Program is great. But the thing that I found is that it kind of can pigeonhole you. So when for a lot of situations, this just isn't jet, but when you come on a work visa, you kind of end up tunnel visioned because you have to, for the sake of your visa, you know, stay within the realm and, you know, work for this company. And you usually can't do anything else outside of it. But right. when you come as a student, you have a lot more freedom to work with different people and et cetera. So, for example, um, I did a the, the, the MBA, like a business program. That's what I decided to do. Um, with my mixed scholarship. And what that did was because I was doing case studies with actual businesses in Japan, I already had my foot in the door with so many different companies here before I even graduated. Like these are guys who, if you go and say, hey, I want to talk to you as a person who already has a work visa, there's kind of like a barrier. It's like, okay, what does this guy want from me? Or even just a job interview. Sometimes getting a job interview is like, you know, a pain in the neck, mm. right? Yes. But um, when you're a student, Japan really respects students. Like the same companies that would never give you an interview will let you do a case study. But then once they know you, mm. then they'll let you do an internship and then they'll, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of a sneaky yes, doorway. Very, very clever of you. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this was all just like, a, literally, like I said, a slippery slope. It's like, oh, wow. Oh, that worked. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, coming in, if you can come in as a student, it, and do something with that time to expose yourself to more entities, if you're interested in that, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, it really opens doors for you a lot more smoothly than trying to, like, you know, uh, crowbar your way in the sort of traditional route. Sure. Um, so you got your MBA here in Japan and you chose mm. to get it here in Japan rather than mm. any, of the, any of the very many number of business schools in the United States. Yeah, um, what's wrong with Harvard, right? Right, what's wrong with Harvard? <laughs> um, what was the rationale for that? Honestly, uh, the first thing was the money. That oh. was, yeah, you know, American education system is a little bit over-exciting for my wallet at times. I see, very <laughs> and, well <put>. um, <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Loretta, so, you're fun. <laughs> yeah, <going>. so... <laughs> So it was basically this choice of, um, I knew I wanted to do some, something with Japan, and I wanted to do something that really allowed, it, allowed me to sort of get a deeper experience. Because I know, like, looking from the States at Japan, I can make a lot of assumptions or I can have a lot of ideas about, I'm going to do business in Japan. But until I have my actual, my physical boots on the ground, I don't really know the playing field. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of really spend a few years getting to learn Japanese business from business people, from as many different, you know, literally to research it. That was my goal, was to do research for my own research. Right. Um, I see. So I was more interested in doing business in Japan than just doing business in general. Yes. Is the short answer, probably. I guess, yes. Not that short, but I get it. <laughs> um, I'm a talker. <laughs> well, yeah, I, that's why you're here. Um, was, it, what is it, was it a thesis-based MBA? Yeah, so that's the thing. What was Japanese, your thesis? They, so, <laughs> it's going to sound really ironic. Um, okay. It was, are Japanese small and medium-sized businesses ready to do market entry 
in light of the Olympics? Or mm -hmm. are they ready to expand in light of the Olympics? I see. So, yeah. The answer apparently was no. No. It appears, <laughs> it appears no. Uh, Ladies um, and gentlemen, we have a, an answer. <laughs> yes. A successful thesis with a bad answer. No, no. It, it was actually, a, it was, that was part of the, the fun of the interview process. Back in the States, before I came here, there was a panel who vet your potential thesis. And basically they said, so your thesis is going to end in 2019. You're not even going to see the Olympics. How is this even impactful? Like, why, why the Olympics? Like, why are we supposed to give you a grant if you're not even going to see the Olympics by the time you write your, you know, your, uh, what's it called? Ketsudon. Your, your final answer. Yeah, thesis, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I guess. Well, so you graduated with your MBA. <clears throat> Congratulations to you. And it didn't take you long to Thank already you. found. Yeah, you're very welcome. It also didn't take you very long to found more than one startup. You yeah. startup junkie, as you say on Twitter. Um, you have yeah. you have Kemushi Chan LLC. Yeah. Uh, as a company that you started a few years ago. What mm. does that company do? Tell us a bit about that. Um, at the moment, it's in a pivot. So it's still pivot. it. Yeah, it's in a holding pattern right now because I started that. Ooh, almost 10 years ago. This mm -hmm. was actually an entity I started in the States to basically serve as um, a content creation machine and kind of like a consultancy for businesses that wanted to do market entry into New York. So mm -hmm. originally I would do anything from, and this is where all those mini hats start coming in, right. um, anything from writing up pitch decks or going to conferences, doing sales, um, do, like whatever it would be, Usually there's an issue of so-and-so, like XYZ company can't be in front of the right audience. So I would either do the research or sell the research or do the actual like pitch or whatever. Um, I really like companies or ideas and solutions when they're like five people big. Hmm. So it was very interesting for me to sort of help companies do these sort of small seed level uh, projects mm -hmm. and then move on to something else. So a lot, a lot of project-based consultancy. And then on my own, obviously, I use this to do sort of like my own little um, create products or solutions for students. I like to do a lot of just, I would try to create different solutions, but most of those don't exist anymore because, uh, you know, I moved here and had to shift my, my attention. But now, rather than do market entry into America, into, uh, into New York, I'm now flipping it mostly because of those case studies that I did while I was doing like my MBA and I'm helping more Japanese companies or actually it's not really flipped. I'm still working with Japanese companies that want to move into New York or move into outside of just the Japanese market. Um, so a hodgepodge. <laughs> hodgepodge, a lady of many hats. I should have changed the name to Hodgepodge LLC. <laughs> ah, call you hat lady. You're also the founder of uh, Japan Scholar Organization. Tell us mm. about that. So that one... Uh, As that, if you're not busy enough. Yeah. So this is a entity, basically. It's a matching service that puts students in front of scholarships that, you know, bring them to Japan. And originally, it was just educational startup, or excuse me, educational scholarships. Hmm. Um, but then after that, it changed into like foundation grants, internships, just basically there are more creative ways to get to Japan than just study abroad in college. And 
that's actually how I found the Mech Scholarship. I see. And that's actually what brought me here. So it was kind of like a funny. So entrepreneur first and uh, MBA second. I guess. You're a natural. <laughs> no, a no. Natural. <laughs> well, on your Twitter handle, you call yourself a startup junkie. Mm. So I'm assuming you're going to have a few more startups in your on your docket uh, coming up soon. What are some of the big differences or major differences you've noticed between uh, making a startup in the U.S. and the way that startups function here in Japan? Uh, a lot. I've seen a lot more of uh, more like what I would call sandbox projects. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there are startups. There are startups everywhere. There's that's just what it is. But I found in Japan there are a lot more of uh, little sandboxes within large companies, and then those will kind of like roll out. So they act like startups, but there's mm -hmm. usually somebody really familiar at the top. Like there's you know there's there are only so many different companies, but um, in, whereas in the States, there's a lot more independent and there's a lot more pitch culture and incubators. And, you know, like that was like my evenings after work where just go to these pitch contests and just like watch people like do this like exciting heartbeat of like self-made business and investors. So recently I found there are more sort of incubator programs here in Japan, mm -hmm. but a lot of them are government subsidized or again, big corporate company sort of led right so i would say yeah the, the the biggest difference i would say here is that there's a lot of like big hands in the pot i see mm. have you done a ted talk me you no no okay i, I was like i've been invited to one but i i didn't i didn't make it next time you'd be brilliant <laughs> um okay changing topics you are a wildly successful YouTube creator with your you're starting to approach 180,000 subscribers, which is just gobsmackingly amazing. Your videos, your videos are always the right balance between friendly and humorous, mm. but also informative mm. because you talk a lot about Japanese language uh, study and also cultural aspects. Yeah. Uh, your camera work and editing is also great. <laughs> Uh, so to my audience, I highly recommend anything by Kemushi-chan. Check out her YouTube oh, channel. thank you. Follow, Come subscribe, send her lots of emails. I, um, I feel like I have to point whenever I hear these words. Yeah. <laughs> Click below. <laughs> Click below. Well, it'll all be in the show notes. But I, Loretta, I gotta ask you. Yes. What the hell? Kemushi-chan? Yeah. That means furry caterpillar. <laughs> Where did that come from? Where did it come from? Why are okay. you the furry caterpillar? Oh my gosh. So, uh... <laughs> the answer I give recently is one day I'll be a butterfly. But oh. you and I both know that the Kamishi do not become butterflies. No, they don't. They they're become moths. Mo they become moths. Moths, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, they're they're rather disliked in in many places, but in Japan. But uh, mm. originally, when I found the name, it's because it was the first word I asked my Japanese teacher to like help me learn in Japanese, mm -hmm. because I. I like to eat a lot, and I was, uh, you know, the, I had like a funny nickname, the Hungry Caterpillar. So I was like, okay, sensei, caterpillar, nantoimasuka, how do you say caterpillar? <laughs> and she was like, well, you have so many different ones, and not knowing what any of these actually were looked like, I figured kemushi, like a furry caterpillar, that sounds cuter than like a wormy looking one, right? <laughs> wormy looking one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And that just kind of stuck. 
And yeah, I mean, for Japanese people, it's just like, you can't forget it. <laughs> Very true. So it came from Whereas my actual name is hard to say for Japanese people, so. <laughs> yeah, an L and an R and, uh, and a double Somet T. Sometimes I get called Rolex. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm on the oh. fence if I like that or not. Loretta, Rolex. Like, it's like a very... Uh, oh, well, hey, uh, high brand. <laughs> that works. <laughs> well, that's the story. So you're, you're, <laughs> it came from the fact that you like to eat. Yeah. And now... Still do. You still do. <laughs> still. And now, but you also eat information and you eat startups. And yeah. so it, it, it's actually quite a, an apt... Um, name for you, Loretta, you also produce the audio tracks on your videos. When did you start producing music? <laughs> oh, gosh. I think I forgot to mention that at the start of this interview, but you also do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, not all of them recently. I, I've, I really appreciate a good outsource recently. Um, but mm. when I first started, uh, yeah, most I started writing music, I want to say, ugh, like when I was like eight or so. Mm -hmm. My my dad's a sound engineer, so I grew up surrounded by instruments. And, uh, uh, you know, like, mm. this was when he had an old MIDI keyboard. And like, my favorite time on like a Saturday was going to the Staples, like, you know, the store and buying different colored floppy disks, because that was the only thing you could save on back then. Right. And I was like, I have to have the bright orange floppy disk. And that was, you know, I'd write music and even took a course for it in college. That was really exciting. So mm. yeah, film scoring. If I hadn't been a YouTuber and many other things, one of my original dreams as a kid was to be a Foley artist or a film scoring person. <laughs> film scoring person, a technical term. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yes. Clearly really? an expert. <laughs> mm. Well, I guess if your father was a sound engineer, you were surrounded by music and the various pieces of yeah. Well, at the time, what the software was. You know, music, language, go hand in hand. Right. Different kinds of language. Uh, you were a pioneer in using YouTube for educational content. Yeah. The original YouTube was a whole bunch of people showing, you know, cat videos and um, uh, uh, food, uh, yeah. how to cook and all of that. But you turned it into educational content. And yet it was long before that was actually a thing on YouTube. Yep. Um, many people around the world want to learn Japanese. You mm. kind of glommed onto that. Uh, lots of your videos and other online platforms give hints and ideas on something mm. that you call meta-learning strategies. Uh, if yeah. you had to boil down, let's say, all of the various meta-learning strategies into maybe three or so that you could say on the show, what would you say are the most important meta-learning strategies for people in my audience who want to learn Japanese and come to Japan? Three helpful hints. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would say short-term goals. Mm -hmm. Record yourself. Record or, yourself. Yeah, well, and we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll explain that. And uh, I'll stick to those two, actually. Okay. The third one probably is rinse and repeat, to be honest. Right. But um, yeah. So short-term goals, a lot of people look at Japanese, myself included, and go, oh my gosh, it's so much to learn, literally. Mm. And it clearly is. And if you just run at it head first, you're going to hit a wall and, you know, get discouraged, etc. Sure. Um, obviously, textbooks are great. They're kind of like a map through this muddied water that we like tread through. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, 
you're going to get frustrated if you don't see real progress. So when you make these short-term goals, not just I want to learn Japanese or I want to be fluent, if you actually sit down and say, I want to be able to uh, cook XYZ recipe using a Japanese recipe by the end of this month, or I want to be able to introduce myself and my favorite instrument by the end of this month, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you have to make actual actionable Action, actual actionable goals on the side of this sort of linear learning mm-hmm. so that you can really um, start learning applicable language that matters to you. And then for the second point, in terms of recording yourself, you have to be able, especially if you're a self-learner, you have to be able to see yourself objectively. So it's kind of like if you're into sports or anything like that, like you can sit on the court like you know, dribbling a basketball as much as you want, but you're not going to learn about like what really is your weak points or like how you did on the actual game unless you've seen yourself play. Right. So, you know, like you go, you go to the gym, you see a picture of yourself, say, oh, wow, that was bad posture. Same thing with learning language. You know, if you record yourself or if you start um, like looking at your old notes afterwards and you really see what you produced, then you start to say, oh my gosh, well, that was terrible. And then you start making um, real improvements. So record yourself specifically. Right on. Mm. You and then rinse and repeat. <laughs> rinse and repeat. You've also said in some of your videos or some of your interviews, I can't remember which one, mm. that language comes alive when it's social. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean, and I agree with that. But uh, we're unable to gather in groups anymore uh, with uh, coronavirus. <laughs> and uh, so what are some ways to make language learning social in the age of the coronavirus? Uh, one thing right now that most people are actually doing is gaming, for example, playing different games. Gaming? Oh, yeah. that's unexpected. Yeah, yeah I, oh. I didn't think I would come up with that one either. <laughs> um, yeah, so games now, a lot of them are really interactive. So you can obviously play by yourself, but you can also get into these like voice chats and things like that. And you can actually start interacting with people digitally. Mm. And it's a much more fun environment where, you know, obviously an easier answer would to say would be to say, you know, get a tutor or hire a teacher. And that's great. But there's something different about when you're working like laterally with other people and you're all working towards something together and they say something and you're like, oh, I didn't know that word. Now it's new core memory. Like, you know, you start logging all of these different um, utterances that you wouldn't get if you were just one-on-one trying to derive a certain language experience. So I find doing, uh, for example, gaming or doing uh, just like, there's like live streams on Twitch, like just like, you know, if you want to produce content, people will interact with you, Mm. even YouTube. There are a lot of ways, a lot of Japanese people also that want to interact with language learners. So there are a lot of apps out there. Um, you just have to be careful which ones you pick because sure. sometimes it just turns into a dating app, and when you know, <laughs> which which may which may work out for you. But, right. You know, another way to keep it social. <laughs> yeah, another social element. <laughs> You've also talked a lot about uh, the need for a focus on learning themes rather than memorizing vocabulary lists. Yeah. And um, I've learned languages myself. I'm a linguistics minor and all that. It, it is actually the way that they learn languages in Europe. And as you know, mm. um, yes, they focus on themes and situational, uh, yeah. what do you call it, terms or vocabulary, rather yeah. than a list of, of terms. So I thought that that was, um, well, I mean, 
if you're interested in traditional onsen hot springs, you're going to、yeah. need to learn a few of the phrases、yeah. for your onsen hot spring. And you talked about that. I thought、But、that was great. It's like language learning is personal. So obviously, everyone should probably learn how to order something at the restaurant or how to introduce themselves. But at a certain point, language has to be personal. So if you like to, I don't know, skateboard, try to sing something about it in Japanese. If you like to do whatever it is, you know, try saying something about it in Japanese.、Mm-hmm. So here's an idea for you, as、yeah. if you're not already busy enough. Bring、uh, it. Tell me what you tell me what you think. You could do a, a live stream Zoom meeting, where people can talk to you and ask you questions specifically about Japanese and how to learn it, and and you、ah. could teach them the words on the. You could call it conversations with Kemushi-chan. Oh or, my gosh! Yeah. Or, or how with about the, with the community? <laughs> or learning with Loretta or something、oh、like、gosh. that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. That'd be a great idea. I think there's a need for that, and there's so many people. You know this. There's so、mm. many people who are interested in Japan,、mm. but language is a barrier. I'm gonna change topics again, Loretta. I have a question. Yeah.、Mm, you can either confirm or deny. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. I heard a rumor that you're writing a book. Is that true? I've always been writing a book. <laughs> I see. Very political、yeah. answer. <laughs>、uh, can you tell us about it? Or not, not? too much in detail, but I would、okay. say, in the next year, there will definitely be some new contents out there. Does it regard or re- involve ferry departure announcements? No. Okay. All right. So that was a false rumor. Good. Okay. All right. That's good to know.、Uh, I look forward to it.、Um, give me a ping when it's、uh, ready to be pre-ordered. Of course. Yeah, of course. You no. Know. Back to YouTube. Your videos lately appear to be moving a little bit away from、uh, mm. Japanese language instruction and more、mm. towards what I would call. Uh, daily life, travel videos.、Yeah. You were just up in the north,、uh, yeah. scenic spots. If that observation is correct,、um, what made you change your focus, the different or broader focus? Yeah, so I'm going to be adding in a mix of different things, but this landscape on YouTube has changed a lot. And that most people,、mm-hmm. obviously, want to learn Japanese from a Japanese person. So、mm-hmm. my goal was never to teach people Japanese per se, but more or less. To teach them strategies to help them learn Japanese, so that they could have a rich or more informed experience. So now with these videos,、um, where like I, I obviously there will always be a link,、uh, a learning or education element to、mm-hmm. it, talking about strategies about how to you know fish your own Japanese fish basically. <laughs>、um, <laughs> but in terms of these sort of like lifestyles and these vlogs, my hope is that、um, I want to show. A non-translated experience. The videos obviously are translated because they have subtitles. But I want people to see when you learn Japanese to a certain level, you start to unlock different experiences, or you start、oh. to un- unlock. You know, I didn't learn Japanese just to learn the letters. I learned it to meet with the people, and I want to share that my end goal to connect with amazing people and thus have an amazing, rich experience. Just to to show that. Right. You know, I I could tell people at the, a million times that learning language is really rewarding, or I can just show it. So I'm trying to sort of infuse more、um, instances where I can share. This is what happens when you learn language, and hopefully that excites a lot of young people. Wow, sounding older here already, but <laughs> I I really hope that excites a lot of students to do something a little bit more creative if they were thinking to do so already. Hmm. 
it preempts a, a question I was about to ask you later, but uh, I'll come back to it um, uh, in a moment. Yeah. Are you going to make a documentary? I'd love to. Uh -oh. Yes, I I'd know love you would. to. I know you I, would. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have, I have a couple. I'm like, I didn't realize this was the dream. Um, apparently, probably my end, not end goal, but a big goal would be to make like a Netflix style documentary. I knew it. I knew it. But I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not. I'm. It's. I'm waiting. You're waiting. That's like my my yeah. Not until all the pieces are in place, but it's definitely definitely there there was that um kind of a documentary i guess you could call it a corporate video i suppose mm -hmm. that you did and i forget the municipality it was in i guess it was somewhere near nagoya and you were on a bicycle <laughs> yeah 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 that was um in it was around the like toyota area yeah the actual the actual toyota toyota yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was around there and uh just seeing like more like a deep dive because you know Nagoya kind of gets a bad rap. Yeah. What do they say about it? It's like the most one of the most traverse cities where nobody gets off. Right. It's like the most famous transfer that nobody ever gets off at, right. or something like that. Right. <laughs> what is it? I guess it's the fourth largest city in Japan. Yeah, it's huge, and it has Tokyo, Nagoya, Osaka, and I think yeah, Nagoya is probably number four. Yeah, and there there is just like so like hidden gems across the area and there's a huge college town out there as well i wasn't aware of this a lot of students they think they want to go to school in japan foreign students mm -hmm. they think they want to go to school around tokyo or yokohama just because that's what they know yep. but i found that the more successful and happy students mm -hmm. went to school in like sendai sendai or nagoya or places like that so I, there's a lot of good, like, great Google reviews on Nagoya, actually. <laughs> right. Makes sense. Uh, how do you always stay so bubbly and happy? I don't <sighs> think I've ever seen you never smiling. And it's quite, it's quite addictive. But uh, yeah. what's your secret? Mm, coffee? Coffee? No, I don't. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> mm, a good dark roast coffee. <laughs> no. Mm. no, I don't know. It's just, I get, I get excited, naturally excited. Um, you know that magical feeling when you like, you finally use Japanese and somebody responded and it's like, oh my gosh, I actually connected with this person. It wasn't nice. just that textbook page. Like mm -hmm. that magical Disney moment is like always inside. So for me, I like, when I talk about languages or when I use language, I, it's like that magic. Sure. So that that's probably the smile. <laughs> I guess. I, I, I know the feeling. Yeah. Although I don't smile as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's usually a, oh gosh, why didn't I know that word? Did I say it wrong? Like, you know, mm. there's usually a, a sense of dread and a 3 a.m. haunting usually, but there's, it, it it's still exciting. Through, <laughs> it comes through very clearly in all of your videos. Yeah. <laughs> Thank mm. you. Yeah, no, it's great. Changing gears again. You've been mm. in Japan quite a while. Mm. So two questions related to that. Mm. Um, in what ways has your opinion of Japan changed, uh, well, now, compared to when you arrived? Yeah. Um, what's different? Or and maybe different in a good way, but also different in a bad way? Yeah. You can talk about that. So... On this current stint, I have, I'm on my fifth year in, here in Japan, but I did a number of different like study abroad and 
research fellowships and stuff over the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. No, that's wrong. No, that's right. Um, for about 10 years or so. And um, when I first got here, it was still kind of like coming off of the, the whole like bubble mm-hmm. economy and everything. So there was still like Japan was so like, you know, bright and sparkly and your dollar went um did it go very far i can't remember yeah i think that's when the dollar was a lot stronger if i remember the first time i came here but anyway so it, it was just it really felt like a land of opportunity but now about 10 15 years later i have found that japan doesn't necessarily need as much foreign talent as they say they do mm-hmm. And it's a lot more saturated. So, you know, if I if I had come here 15 years ago, ready to do the work that I'm doing now, I think I would have made even more of a splash and had so much more. Like I've had a relatively great and easy time, mm-hmm. but I've found around me that a lot of people, like the job markets, this year is obviously an outlier, but the job markets are completely like oversaturated and they're, are more Japanese people, for example, the Kikoku Shijo, the like, you know, the the kids who come back after growing up abroad, mm-hmm. they're all back home now after the bubble, and they're all grown up and they're working too. Or all the kids who are learning, you know, people say Japanese people have terrible English. Um, not anymore. Like that stereotype actually isn't that true anymore. And you, it's very competitive now because just being able to speak Japanese isn't really enough anymore. Is right. A huge observation. It comes with uh, uh, experience of the way the rest of the world manages itself. Yeah. To... And, you know, well, that's that's great for Japan. And um, so, I mean, if anybody is watching and they're, like, trying to move to Japan, I would say back in, like, early 2000s, 90s, if you had just a major or you spoke Japanese, that was enough to do really well. Mm-hmm. But that is really not the case anymore. Um and even the idea of a Japanese major, like, just, like, throw it out. Like, you can obviously do the Japanese major, but what you really need to succeed here, if that's what you're looking for, is obviously a second or a third skill set, a marketable actual skill. Mm-hmm. And the things that do really well in Japan, and I'm sure you know this as well, JT, obviously um, there's um, obviously legal, obviously finance. These are, like, kind of like the big expat realms. Sure. Um Software engineering, IT, that's huge now, but it's really competitive. And um, But then there are You're other right. things that... You can code. Huh? Yeah. Well, I try not to code. I try to outsource. But, mm. um, but yeah, just things like IT and... Um, what is it? Another thing is like the, the patent world that's still legal, but like they're, they're, the patent world is huge still. Mm-hmm. There are different way, ways you can break in that way. But you got to... You got to add in a second skill, even if it's like graphic design. I say that like it's small, but even graphic design will do very well for you here in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, logo design, art, etc. So, yeah, uh, it's changed. It's changed. How has mm. your opinion of Japan changed the better your Japanese gets? And I asked that second question because, mm. and I'd love to hear your opinion or any anecdotes on this. Yeah. I think it's important for anyone who's interested in coming to live in Japan yeah. to know that you talked about a, a second skill set or a third skill set or fourth skill set, whatever. Tenth. <laughs> but the first skill set absolutely mm. has to be Japanese. If you want to understand Japanese people, mm. 
yeah. in Japanese society in any depth, not yeah. just shallow, you know, anime or facade of,、mm. you know, I ate sushi. If you want to understand Japan in any way, <clears throat> excuse、yeah. me, Japanese language for me is essential. And I、yeah. found the better I get, the closer I get. And I just wanted to hear your experiences on that since you、yeah. are the Japanese teacher of record on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. Yeah, it's、um, you got to learn the language first, and, but also you also need to keep learning while you're going. So it's, it's a constant uphill battle, well, a fun one. <laughs> fun one, yes. And I, yeah, I don't know if my opinion has changed all too much, other than, I mean, on the smallest, lightest level, I really like the countryside in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, It shows in your videos. Yeah. <laughs> like, I used to think, oh gosh, I've got to live in. I used to think, like, I've got to live in Tokyo. I've got to be, like, you know, it's got to be in Tokyo because that's where all the anime happens.、Mm. But now, recently, I'm like, no, 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 it's got to be in the countryside because that's where all the people happen. Like, that's where all, like, amazing, interesting people. Like, you'll, you'll find some of your best stories outside of the big cities. So.、Mm. And most I highly recommend.、Come. And most people come to the big cities. Yeah. Yes, I guess that's where the airports are, but、uh, <laughs> I guess so.、Um, your piece that you did on the northern city there that was getting prepared for the Olympics. Yeah. That was,、uh, that was an interesting piece. How、yeah. long did that take you to make?、Uh, about a month from、uh-huh. start to finish. I,、mm-hmm. I filmed that in the end of. February, I want to say, and then it was up by the very last day of March. So, yeah,、oh. about, about a month from start to finish. That, that, was, a, that was a doozy.、Yeah. I, there was a lot of sound recording and stuff. So, I was trying to up my game. <laughs> well, your game has been upped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, Thank you. Japan does have,、uh, compared to, let's say, North America or parts of Western Europe at least,、uh, yeah. it still has some. Some social issues that need addressing here.、Mm-mm. A long way to go in some ways.、Um, but that's in some ways why I find it important that people who want to come here and live here yeah.、Uh, learn Japanese. Yeah. Because in order to understand the way that things are, yeah, yeah. you have to be able to understand the way that things are. Yeah. And then, and only then,、mm. can you form an opinion on the way things should be.、Um, yeah. It, it, there's, there's definitely, I would say, there's definitely a easy tendency to make sort of swooping realizations about Japan. That's like, you know, if you learn any Japanese in college, for example, there's, there's those like, there's like those tech, textbook topics of like, oh, declining birth rate and the aging population and the,、right. the bullying at school. It's like everyone writes the same three papers, but they're actually kind of outdated. And in terms of the, the modern version of that, is everybody's on Twitter complaining about the same like three things. But I've actually, I don't say much about it, but when I watch these sort of interactions, I've noticed a lot of people are wrong or actually regurgitating information that was mistranslated.、Mm. Like a lot, of thing is, a lot of things are getting lost in translation, and people aren't able to really form meaningful opinions. And, anyways, you know, us complaining in English about something about a country that isn't, you know,、right. it's just an echo chamber, anyways. So, if you want to actually, like, if, if you actually cared, you'd learn the language and you'd talk with people here. So, 
That's a perfect that's, summary of what I was trying to get at. Yes, I'm glad that, you that's agree my, with that's that. That's my two yen. <laughs> that's your two yen. All right. All right. Uh, we're getting close to the end of your time, uh, and I appreciate your time. So I have a couple of just sort of last questions to yeah. finish up with. Um, as a person who discusses a, a, a range of topics, um, both in person on interviews like yeah. today, but also on your YouTube channel, mm. If you had one thing about Japan that you wish everyone around the world uh, knew more about, mm. what would that be? Oh. Like I said, it doesn't have to be one thing. But yeah, like one everything. is easier than zero. Um. Mm. Wow, that's a. I didn't say my last questions were easy. I, I just like, said they're the last questions. Ooh, <laughs> this is like oh gosh, like. People know anime and manga. Mm. They know sushi. They know the name of Ichiro, the baseball player. Mm, 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 mm. Those are all aspects. Some of them are subculture. Yeah. But as somebody who doesn't live in subculture, who lives in the culture, I guess. Um, okay, this this will sound really like random, but I would say, as like a. This is like the startup junkie side of me coming out. Mm -hmm. I would say, honestly, I wish people knew more about um, the architecture and engineering side of Japan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So mm -hmm. Japan is uh, will like to push a certain image abroad, and a lot of it revolves around like robots and healthcare and things like that. Um, but I have found like Japan's strongest industries and the ones that they don't really talk about all that much is their ability to make things and engineer solutions like actual like physical solutions to things like like for example if you're wearing anything with a zipper on it there probably is something on it ykk YKK, yes yes yeah and like most people don't realize that's because like that's the zipper that like the entire world loves it's just it's not glamorous so people don't know about it but there's so many little things that like japan's really like reliable little solutions like run the entire world, but nobody actually knows about that. Mm -hmm. So when I was when I was north in um, Yamagata, in the, the recent video that we were talking about, just the way that they cleared the snow, like I was, how who is the snow engineer? I need to know who is the like weather technician out here because it wasn't like nasty plowed snow with nasty brown piles on the side. It was perfectly carved like tunnels that you drive and walk through. Like the sun, the the sidewalks were like perfectly carved and there's no ice on the ground whereas where i grew up if it snows there's ice for like three years <laughs> and you're slipping and breaking your back like you know so i i was like these are simple solutions even for example um everyone's starting wearing a mask over the last year and japan immediately had a spray that you spray on your glasses so your glasses don't fog up mm. and the rest of the world is still figuring out how to like eat with their like foggy clouds it's like these are the simple solutions that just make right. life so much better like you know, we talk about automation in Japan a lot, but I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to sound that glamorous. Like, Japan does automate, just not the things we think it does. And I wish those were the things people knew more about. Knew more and, about. Yeah. Do you know about ball bearings? Um, in what sense? Um, ball bearings are essential for anything that, <clears throat> anything that spins. Okay, yeah. So, tires, wheels, tractors, Everything. cars factory automation machines everything that spins anything that spins needs ball bearings yeah yeah and 
there's basically, I mean, this is kind of an exaggeration and I know it is. Yeah. yeah. But there's basically one company that has almost the entire share of the world's ball bearings. It's a Japanese company and their ball bearings are so um, tiny and so absolutely perfectly formed. Yeah. That they're the perfect ball bearings, which is why they've got a big share of the market. Yeah. There's other companies out there who do the same thing, but this, there's this one Japanese company that has just an absolutely shocking share of the world market on ball bearings. Right? That's kind of what you're talking about. Exactly. And that, like, those things really fascinate me and excite me because it's like, uh, the, even just as like a student standpoint, um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, that some of the best schools in Japan are their, their engineering schools and even like their architecture, you know, like just having like earthquake proof, et cetera, or you know, earthquake sensors that also help you find the best surfing when you're out on like out at the right. beach. Like there's all these little solutions that Japan is so good at that are actually like the heartbeat behind your everyday sure. that people just really don't get. And, you know, America is kind of the opposite. Everything falls apart. And like <laughs> you almost would never buy something seriously from the dollar store unless you expected to throw it away. Whereas like everything that you get in Japan, even if it's just a dollar value, is just like designed perfectly. And I'm just like, those, those are the things, like the design and the engineering is mm-hmm. so cool. But yeah, okay, nerding but, finished. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's great. I'd like to get some of those people on my show as well. Yeah. What is Japan to you? Ooh, um, like... My Robin Hood, my my life savior, basically. Like I, I don't know, Japan, Japan, Japan has really. I, I lucked out, I should say. And you know, sometimes you talk to Japanese people and they say, "Oh, you're you're really more Japanese than American," and that's that's all talk. But mm-hmm. there is an element where I really feel that something clicked, and. There is a, a there's definitely a part of me that feels home in Japan or in the Japanese sphere and with Japanese people. So that doesn't mean it's all you know rainbows and unicorns. Like I, I butt heads with a lot of people here, but um, I really think Japan has led me down a more fun and successful life path than if I had just become the Foley artist. In Virginia, mm. that I, I thought I would be as a kid. So, right on. <laughs> What's next for Loretta Scott? Mm, what is next? Maybe I should rephrase the question. Yeah. What isn't next for Loretta Scott? <laughs> right. I'm like, oh gosh, uh, there's there's a lot. Um, I want I want to start, you know, just building more brands here in Japan. It's it's different when you're in Japan because when you're home in your home country. It's actually not that hard to start a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe coming up with an idea or something like that, but the actual logistics of starting a business is not that difficult. Whereas in Japan, um, there's, it's a lot difficult. It's a lot more difficult. And so I haven't been able to sort of launch as many things as I want to here, but looking forward, that's like, I want to launch a couple new ideas. Mm-hmm. Just leave it at that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm starting to, I've seen the landscape for a while. I'm, I'm excited to, you know, start a family soon and have their language journeys begin as well. So that, that's sure. too, too exciting. I guess my babies, both professionally right. and 
personally. Biologically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I wish you all of the best of success with all of your endeavors.、Um, you too. Thank you. Keep me posted. You、mm. are welcome back on Ronjiro Japan. Absolutely.、Yeah. Anytime for any reason. Just、ah. give me a mail and you'll be here. Yeah. I want to say thank you very much for your time today. Um, I've enjoyed the conversation. I think my audience will enjoy the conversation. And it's quite encouraging for those who want to learn about Japanese、yeah. language learning but also want to come here someday. I think there w a s a lot of good insights.、Mm. Insights on Japan from people who know Japan.、Yeah. So we've done our job today. <laughs> done. <laughs> done. Thank you very much, Loretta. Thank you for having and, me, JT.、Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Bye for now. Okay, bye bye. Thanks for joining us on the Ronjiro Japan podcast. For more insights on Japan from people who know Japan, be sure to subscribe to the podcast right now and check out our website at www.ronjirujapan.com. That's www.ronjirujapan.com. Links to all our content are on the website and in the description for this episode. Including links to Facebook and Twitter and our YouTube channel, which also has a variety of videos in addition to regular episodes. Please subscribe, follow, and share. I look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. From Ronjiro Japan in Tokyo, I've been your host JT. Until next time, o g e n k i d e n e